You may be seated. Good morning, brothers and sisters of Jesus the Good Shepherd. Good morning. We're so happy to be with you this morning. Can you hear me okay? Yeah? Okay. Then I turn it off, I guess. Ah, yeah. Okay. There we go. Okay. Okay, good. All right. We begin by bringing you greetings from many brothers and sisters from congregations in Chile where we work. This morning, we're going to reflect a bit on the readings that we recently heard and share some personal testimonies. Would you pray with us now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your most precious word, and we pray that you will give us understanding of it and encourage us to live in its light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When I looked at the passages for this morning, uh, the first thing that came to my mind when I saw the Ten Commandments, the Old Testament reading, was part of my own personal testimony. Then when I looked at the reading in Romans, I realized that Paul used some of his own personal testimony also to clarify his points about the law. Um, So this morning, I will attempt to do the same. When I was in second grade Sunday school, we memorized the Ten Commandments. That was good, but I think I misunderstood. What I thought I learned was how I could be saved. If I obeyed the Ten Commandments perfectly my whole life, I could go to heaven. If I broke one of them, that was it. I was done. (laughs) And unfortunately, that afternoon, I got home from church and... I dishonored my father and my mother. So that was it. I was lost. But then I found out that there was a way, if I confessed my sins, then God could forgive me. So I was very careful to confess my sins every night before I went to bed. But then I realized I could get run over during the day, and then I might have a sin that I hadn't confessed. And so... I realized, well, I better confess my sin as soon as I realize that I've uh, committed it. Um, Well, praise the Lord. Eventually, I came to understand the truth. I'm not saved by my obedience to the Ten Commandments, nor by my perfect confession of my sin, because I have a lot of sin that I don't even realize. I'm I'm saved by the perfect obedience of Jesus to the Ten Commandments and to his Father's will. I'm saved by God's grace. So in the reading from Romans, Paul expresses the internal struggle that he faces because he he loves God's law, but he doesn't do what it commands. Now, Paul didn't always realize this. Back before he encountered Christ on the road to Damascus, he had been a Pharisee, and he considered himself as blameless as far as righteousness under the law is concerned. Now, not not that he would have considered himself to be uh, without sin. Um, He was only blameless because um, if he had sinned or been ritually unclean, he would have made the appropriate uh, sacrifices and done the correct ceremonies. So in that way, he considered himself to be blameless. His idea and his problem, though, 
was that he believed that he had to perfectly obey God's law in order to be worthy and gain God's approval and acceptance. After he had his encounter with Jesus, he he realized that's not possible. He came to understand that salvation is a free gift from God. Salvation is by grace through faith. So let's consider the Ten Commandments again briefly. Um, If they're not intended um, for us to obey perfectly so that we can be saved, what is their purpose? Well, I'm thankful that one time I heard a teaching that expressed it this way. It starts with a question. When were the Ten Commandments given to God's people? Before they were saved from their slavery in Egypt or after? After. God saved the people by grace, and then he gave them the Ten Commandments so that they could live well. He didn't give them the Ten Commandments first and say, obey these, and then I will set you free from your slavery in Egypt. That context is really important. But over the ages, many of God's people did not understand this role of the law. They thought that it had to be obeyed in order to be saved, not obeyed because they were saved. But besides showing us how to live well, there is another use of God's law. It sets the standard for perfection. Because we're not able to obey it perfectly, the Holy Spirit uses that to show us that we need salvation. And here I would like to share with you something that we learned a few years ago. Um, It's good being a missionary. You learn a lot. Um, Here's a chart that shows a way to study the Bible. I don't know if you can see it. Um, There are three steps. Okay, first we observe what it says, then we interpret what it says, then we apply what it says to our lives. That's good. But from a Christian point of view, that isn't enough. Let's take the first commandment as an example. Um, You shall have no other gods before me. So we observe that God is talking to his people. He gives them a command. They are not to have other gods before him. Or if you look at a footnote in, in your Bible, it says, or besides him. Then we interpret what that means. Um, There are spiritual beings called gods by some. There are also imaginary gods invented by people. Um, And we're really good at manufacturing our own gods. But there is only one true God who is infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, and present everywhere, and who demands to be his people's only God. So that's the interpretation. Then the application is to reject, avoid, and eliminate any other gods from our lives. That's all true. But that is not specifically a Christian message. A Jewish rabbi could preach that message. A Mormon elder could preach that message. Even a Muslim imam could preach that message. The Christian message has to be different even if we were all basically to agree on those points that we already looked at. 
of observation, interpretation, and application. So look at this chart. See that it has one more dimension? Transformation. The factor that was missing was the cross of Christ and the transformation that it brings. It's not just <clears throat> obey the command or repent of your mistake, but that Christ's death and resurrection makes a difference in how we live. And after that, we want to be very careful that we always, after we learn that, we want to be very careful that we always preach the gospel. And not just the law. In other words, um, doing good things or doing the right things, be a better person. Because unfortunately, that's a lot of what the preaching we get in Christian churches, not Christian preaching. Just be better. That's not the gospel. That's preaching the law. So maybe it's the Ten Commandments, maybe it's made-up man-made laws. But what would a, so what would a Christian approach be to this commandment? For one thing, by looking at the context, we would see that this God who is demanding to be his people's only God is the one who brought them out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who has made himself to be their God in a very personal way. When they could do nothing to free themselves, God intervened and saved them. They and we are notorious for having other gods besides the true God. So we need forgiveness. But our hope is not on reforming our behavior, but on being saved by Jesus' intervention. He took the punishment our sin deserved, including the sin of having other gods before him. And therefore, we have been graciously forgiven. And by the power and sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, we can be transformed into God's people who worship him alone. Summarizing, the first way tells us what we do for God. The second focuses on what God has done for us in Christ. That's a huge difference between the message of Christianity and what all other religions of the world teach. Now, Heidi is going to share with you the story of a friend of ours from Chile. We met this friend, Carla, 29 years ago when she was our son Joshua's kindergarten teacher. As we got to know her better, we wanted to share Jesus with her. We had no idea what she was going through at that time in her life. We didn't know her background or the struggle she was having at that moment, but God did. And he had brought her into our lives so that she could learn the truth of the good news of Jesus and be set free from the lies she had believed. All these years later, Carla is still our friend. In fact, less than two months ago, she came to visit us for two and a half weeks while we were here in the States and went with us to the supporting churches we were visiting. She not only wanted to see what we were doing, but also to share her story. Her story kind of fits with what we've just been talking about. So before she left, I asked her to leave us a copy of her story. You'll hear the whole thing when we share our slide presentation after the service. That's a little teaser. Um, however, right now, I would like to read just an excerpt from her story. This is what she said. When I met Heidi, it seemed to me that she was always happy. 
And I liked that about her, but I didn't understand why she had so much happiness. Since I had been raised as a Mormon, I thought I had to be perfect for God to accept me. I was confused when Heidi told me that God loved me because I knew I couldn't be perfect. Russ and Heidi gave me a beautiful testimony of Jesus. They taught me about a loving God. I didn't have to be perfect for God, and that was amazing for me. I learned that God loved me just as I am, that the only perfect one is Jesus, and that he had died for me. They invited me to meet this God of love and hope. And so one day, when I met with Heidi, I asked Jesus to come into my life. I took that step, the step of faith. Now you've heard a little bit about Carla, uh, about how Carla, I myself, and even Paul, before formerly misunderstood how the relationship between God and people works. Maybe you have too. Or maybe you know someone who struggles with this, with whom you could share God's truth. We've come to understand that it's not by our striving to be good enough to please God. That is the essence of all false religions. True biblical Christianity is about what God has done for us. God's grace, which makes a relationship with him possible through Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection, which we'll be celebrating and remembering in a few minutes as we come to the Lord's table. This is the gospel, and this is our mission in Chile, and here too, to proclaim the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ. And as we do that in Chile, you, the people of Jesus the Good Shepherd, are our partners in this. The name of our missionary society is SAMS, and that stands for Society of Anglican Missionaries and Senders. You are part of SAMS. I always say, if the senders didn't send, the goers couldn't go. Ever since we visited you all when Russ's brother Ben lived in Henderson and had found a church home here, you have been partners with us through prayer and financially in our ministry in Chile. So Carla's story is your story too. In appreciation of your partnership of more than a decade now, we want to give you this little gift. <clears throat> it's made of the, a native wood from Chile called Rauli. The form is that of a, the Copiwe, which is the national flower of Chile. And that man there is an indigenous Mapuche man among whom we work. And this is what we put on the back. For the people of Jesus the Good Shepherd, with love from your missionaries in Chile, Lesson Heidi Smith, March 3rd, 2024. We also have with us, commercial time, our prayer card. Um, and it is a card that we ask you to take when you leave today and put it somewhere where you'll see it often, like on your refrigerator or some such place. Um, it has an up-to-date picture of each of our family members. And uh, please do continue to pray for us. Thank you.